This portion of the show is brought to you by FreshRoofOfNAZ.com. This is the Jeff Orovid Show. All right, welcome everyone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, Jeff Orvitz here. Mark Howitt is here with me today. And I should have had you on yesterday. I almost thought about bringing you in. Um, but I'm really looking forward to picking your brain because you have spent so much time over in Israel. I have, yeah. I've spent um, almost three years there between 1992 and this last June. Okay. So I, there's a lot of questions I've got that I think there's a lot of things people don't know about the country mm-hmm. and obviously Gaza Strip. So I, I want to get into all that. I have a long list here and the challenge I've had recently is I'll kind of tell you everything we're going to get into and then we don't get to like five of them. So I'm just <laughs> not even going to tell you. All I can tell you is we're going to talk about Israel. Um, we've got Larry Barron's coming up here in about 20, 25 minutes. He's with PowerTheFuture.com because there's a lot of energy issues that we need to talk about. Obviously, the Middle East. Yep. Um, obviously, Biden's stupid decision to siphon off the uh, SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, you know, the thing we have. And I was saying this at the time. Larry was saying this at the time. We have the Strategic P- Petroleum Reserve for emergencies, for example, if we go to war or if there's a war that interrupts delivery oil of, of oil, yep. oil supply, right? Yep. Contrary to the unicorn-believing people, the world still runs on oil and will for a very long time. And and Biden drained the thing down for political reasons. He drained the thing down, which I think is highly questionable. I mean, political reasons and also economic reasons, trying to slow the inflation. Because if prices go up at the pump, it's not just that you're paying more for gas. You're paying more for groceries mm-hmm. because the trucks that deliver them are on the diesel that's gone up in price. Yep. Everything that gets shipped across the country is by diesel electric exactly. trains. Fuel makes this country run. We're, you know, we're a modern country. Everything runs on fuel. Everything. You're, yep. Everything you buy, everything you sell, your kids get into school, the air conditioning in the school, everything. Yeah, everything. It's <laughs> not run, especially transportation, is not run on electric uh, vehicles, oh, except the trains are, but they're they're used. They're diesel, they're di- diesel. Yeah, they're charging. They burn to, diesel. They burn diesel and, to get electric. It's kind of like towing a generator behind your electric car. Yeah, so, and the reason is fully green. They need the torque that you yeah, get yeah, out of a, yeah. a DC electric engine. Absolutely, and, uh, especially with those three, four mile long trains. The trains long are of two and a half miles. Yeah, <laughs> we had dinner huge. a couple of weeks ago downtown Flagstaff, and it was like every ten minutes we were talking, right? Right. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> we had <laughs> another a train. Three, four, five minutes of silence every time, yeah, except I, for the train. Flagstaff, <laughs> just as a, out of curiosity, Flagstaff, the I forty train that come, you know, the train comes through on the I forty corridor. When I moved here in 96, it was averaging 100 trains a day that were about a mile long. Now the trains are two and a half miles long. Wow. And they're, as you said, like yeah, having was, a dinner, just nonstop it was trains. Every, it was more than 100 a day, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, I'm looking forward to Larry because we got to pick his brain on a couple of these uh, issues. And then we'll, we'll get in some Arizona items as well. We've got a couple of news picks that I, I think we'll get to, plus some of your comments. Talk with Jeff. At iCloud.com. Jeff, I do want to say one yeah, more thing about that train thing. Yeah. And this is what really bothers me is a lot of the trains going across America, we're thinking about them supplying America. Yeah. They're not. It's funny, yeah. It's trend. Boats are coming from China. Yeah. They arrive in L.A. They offload their goods, ship them all the way across the U.S., reload them onto ships, mm-hmm. and take them to Europe. I didn't know that until someone in the group was mentioned that. Yeah. And I was like, what? What? How and, does that make sense? 
Yeah, it's and it's cheaper apparently and quicker than going down to the Panama Canal or even for if big you can't boats, fit the Panama Canal in some all ways, the way yeah. around the tip of South America. Yeah, and so when we had the supply chain, remember with the supply chain issues during COVID, there was all these boats waiting offshore in L.A. waiting to get I unloaded. Yeah. And we're all thinking that's goods waiting to come to America. <laughs> ha 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 it's going over to europe and it's other going places. to europe i'm like why didn't we say if you're not coming to america that boat just take the long route yeah go down and, and yeah. prioritize all the boats that are unloading goods for this country in our country if you're unloading in la you should get priority for goods coming into this country for us it goes to going, show you if it's going to europe take the long route yeah, yeah exactly we've got to prioritize our country and i hope we hopefully we're getting back to that it goes to show you how complex the system is because I didn't know that most people either. don't no. know that. And everything comes from so far and the chains are so the, the supply chains are so long. Yep. And here we are with um, these brutal evil attacks that happen by Hamas to in, in Israel. And we see what's going on in Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia. Yep. China's out there and they have their plans and I set on things. It's a time period where everything is kind of coming undone and people are pitching tents in their two different camps here around the world. It reminds me very similar to 1930s, quite honestly. Yeah. They were supply chain issues back then. A lot of the expansion that happened from Japan was to get to oil-producing regions. A lot of the expansion yes. that happened with Germany and uh, going into the Caucasus and stuff like that, uh, similar to where they're heading now, is uh, where, where, where Russia's heading. Yeah, is resources, was, yep. was oil. And it's nothing is – it hasn't changed much as far as these long supplies. It's gotten more extreme, I would say. Let's just look at the big overall picture for a second. Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Major breadbasket of yep. the world, growing Major. grain. Yep. Uh, Middle East, your oil, oil, natural China, gas. Yep. Your manufacturing. Yep. So you've got your food, your oil and gas, and your manufacturing Goods and services. Yeah. All in somewhat of a disaster right now. I mean, mm-hmm. China's still producing, but there's obviously China's getting in, in leagues with Russia. It's yeah. getting, and China's a disaster right now. I don't know if people realize how bad China is doing economically. Um, how much it's collapsed, their housing market, manufacturing's way down. Mexico passed up uh, China as far as uh, the biggest exporter to the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. Just they think it happened in the past 12 months because people don't want to do business over there anymore. So what I think may happen is China will need, just like all politicians around the world, a grand distraction mm-hmm. from the domestic woes. And I think they're going to do something uh, drastic Perhaps. I don't know. It's just a guess. China does have a lot of problems. And if you go back to their one baby, one family yep. rule, that's resulted in, a, in an extremely aging populace. Mm-hmm. So who is going to take care of all the grandparents and the parents that are retiring when you've got one child with two parents yep. and four grandparents? Yep. Yep. And they changed that eventually, but it was way, way too right. late. So you've got one kid that has to support yeah. six people. Yeah, they got that demographic uh, cliff. So do many other nations, Japan, for example. But in China, it was, a forced, it was a forced uh, policy there. Yeah, and uh, we even have it in the U.S. I mean, we talk about the Social Security system. There's less people putting in mm-hmm. than there oh, used yeah, yeah. to be. Because oh, yeah. our birth rates are low and, you know, and whatnot. Exactly, exactly. But China's the extreme case. But going back to the Middle East, yes. you know, Israel, Gaza... Not oil-producing countries. However, Hamas in Gaza is supported by Iran. And Iran supports Syria which is, and Lebanon, which is mostly Hezbollah. And then in 
Gaza, it's Hamas. Okay. Um, two terrorist organizations, Hamas on the south of Israel, Hezbollah on the north. Um, and I've got to remind the listeners how small Israel is. Yeah, give us that, because you've been all over in there. Yeah, so picture New Jersey. That's about the size of Israel. But now take New Jersey, and two-thirds of it is desert. Okay. That's Israel. So the population centers. Well, it, okay, Gaza Strip, mm-hmm. which is on the western side of Israel there. Yep, borders the Mediterranean. And, you know, Gaza, when I was there in, in Israel in 92, you could go in and out of Gaza. Gazans could come in and out of uh, mainland Israel proper. They'd come in and work every day, go home. And it was better for everybody. Israel needed the construction workers, the manual labor. The people in Gaza needed the work. Okay. But as terrorism increased and increased, Israel just tightened down, which they had to do. They're like, we can't have our schools bombed, our hospitals bombed, our buses bombed. I was in a bombing there, you know, as you know, um, in 2002. We just can't have that. So they shut down the, they tightened down the restrictions on Gaza more and more. As they did so, the Gazans got more and more in leagues with Hamas. Okay. Right. Because for financial un- considerations and other, I'd imagine, where they yeah. would have given him some support. So it's like, oh, we're your friends. Exactly. Just become a terrorist kind of thing. Yep. And um, when Israel had the, the peace negotiations between the PLO and um, for the what's called the West Bank and Gaza, both got democratic elections, quote unquote. Um, in the West Bank, they elected. <laughs> And a government, and the guy currently won't step down and won't have new elections. Yeah. That's a separate problem. You get voted in once, and then he that's the end of the yes. democratic government. In, yeah. in Gaza, they elected. They literally elected Hamas. So Hamas is their democratically elected government. They're not simply a terrorist organization. They are the government of Gaza. And so this is a government-run attack against another government. It's war. With support from, has to be support from outside. Yes, definitely. Has to be support from Iran. I mean, I'm sure it's all being tracked down intensely right now. And of course, Iran is the country that just, what, weeks ago, Biden released um, $6 billion in supposed, you can only use this for humanitarian uh, causes, which is just so idiotic. And it shows you how idiotic this administration is because. Let's just say even there was strings attached. You're going to use it for humanitarian causes. That just means you've freed up $6 billion that used another part of the ledger That's right. that you could use for armaments, bombs, rockets, ultralights, which I was just shocked to see. Yes. The um, te- technologically, the simplicity of it. And I talked about this yesterday, how, you know, we, we dealt with 9-11 and it was mm-hmm. box cutters and airplanes. And they're dealing with uh, people that just did in an unsophisticated way, brutal brutality uh, yes. to, 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 to Israel. Okay, so a couple things. So Iran is clearly behind a lot of this. And they use, you, you talk about humanitarian aid going into Gaza, uh, medical supplies, boats with food. Those contain weapons. And everybody's like, Israel's blockading the Gaza Strip. That's because they, they stop these boats that are supposedly bringing food, and they find it's weapons inside. Stuff. Okay. Uh, and it's just nonstop. It's, it's a continuum. And they don't catch them all. Yeah, of course not. Of course Just not. like here, all the stuff that comes in. Right. So wait, okay, Israel, you said size of New Jersey. Yep. Does, that includes uh, Gaza Strip? It wouldn't it, even matter. Gaza is so small. Okay. It's the city of Gaza, Ramla, a couple other small cities. It's an extremely narrow section of land, a couple miles wide. Uh, I forget the distance, but maybe 20, 
I'd have to is that officially? I mean, is that officially part of Israel? So we have to step back quite a bit. Okay, and we could go back to the time of Abraham, Isaac, and yeah, Jacob. Yeah, this has been want, going right? on for a while. <laughs> going on for a while. So a little bit of history. Um, you know, God promised land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Jews went down to Egypt, brought out by Moses, mm-hmm. invade the promised land. And at that time, you had a whole bunch of different people, Canaanites, Amorites, um, Hittites, all kinds of people in there. And along the coast, you had Philistines. Yep. The Philistines were actually Greek. They came from Mycenae. Interesting. Okay. Came across, landed there, took over the coastal towns. Like I said before, Gaza is a beautiful place naturally. It's a disaster right now, but it's, you know, imagine California beaches with yeah. no people. This is a beautiful place, also strategic when you're talking strategic. shipping, ports, et cetera. Right. So the Philistines settled in there, Gaza, Ashdod, Eshkelon, all these cities right there on the co- southern coast of Israel. Um, and we hear about, the, you remember David and Goliath stories, mm-hmm. yep. you know, Goliath's fighting the Philistines, King David's fighting the Philistines. These are all Greek descended people. These are not Arabs. Okay. Okay. So time goes on. Um, Israel forms a kingdom. David, Solomon, whatnot. Uh, eventually, the Babylonians come in, wipe Israel, take Israel away. They get back to the land of Israel under the Persians, and then they're oppressed under the Greeks, and then under the Romans. Under the Romans, yeah. The Romans destroy the Second Temple yeah, after the time of Jesus, 70 A.D., and then again put down another re- Jewish revolt in 135 A.D. And at that point, they're like, all right, Jews, you're out. We're kicking you out, and we're going to rename the land. And they renamed the land Philistia or Palestine. Okay. It's the same word. So this was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. Roman times. So the Romans, despite the Jews, renamed the land as Palestine after their former enemies, the Philistines, that David and Goliath, you know, that whole thing, um, way back then, right? Okay. Jump forward 2,000 years. Um, and in the meantime, well, you had the Romans... Um, the Greeks, Orthodox, you know, like the Byzantine, mm-hmm. you had uh, the Muslim conquest okay. that swept through, you know, got into Sp- all the way into Spain, got into Turkey, all this yeah. area, right? Yeah. The Muslim conquest. Northern Africa, all around Mediterranean. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, eventually that changed when you had the Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, and then World War One, the Brits beat them, so then it fell under British control for the land of Israel. Okay, so we're talking 1918, 1919. Up until the war. when the Nazis, Then the Nazis come in. Okay. Right? Um, The Nazis, Italians. And then the Allies eventually win back, and you're back under the British control. And at that point, the Jews, the whole time there's some Arabs living in there left over from the Muslim conquest, and there's some Jews that have always just kind of lived there. Very rural area. Mark Twain visited there and said the whole thing is just swamps. It's a mess. You, you're talking which area? All of Israel? All of talking, Israel. Okay. Yep. It's just very rural, very sparsely populated. Right. There is no Gaza. There's no West Bank. Okay. Everything is just British and French mandates. Yeah. Okay. Right? Transjordan, as okay. it was called back then. So after World War II, the Holocaust, the Jews start, I've just given up. They're like, we're going back to the land of Israel. And so they start coming on boats. Um, from Eastern Europe, from Germany, from wherever they fled to, and coming to land of Israel. Even during World War II, I think. That Even during, happening. right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Zionism started a, li- a bit before that, and it just really took hold once, you know, the Holocaust happened, like, mm-hmm. forget it, we're going back to Israel. Mm-hmm. And so they go back to Israel um, at the end of World War II, 1945. 1947, 8, they become a country, war breaks out. And the UN says, yeah, we're going to make a country of Israel. And um, even Russia voted for it back then. 
And so right then, as soon as the, the UN says, okay, there can be a nation of Israel. 19, we're talking 1948-ish, right after yeah, World War II. Right hold, after, hold a thought. Yep. Can you carry, carry this? Because yep. I want to go from, we just did um, several thousand years yes. in, in 10 minutes. I want to go more with this. Mark Howitz here with me. Plus, we've got Larry Barron's coming up. And, of course, always love hearing from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. That's talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. All right, if you're thinking about refinancing your home, remember to call my good friend uh, Kim Dawson over at Nova Home Loans. Uh, Look, Nova Home Loans is Arizona's largest privately owned mortgage lender. They can make decisions like a bank, but they can also make decisions like a broker, giving you the best programs that are out there. Uh, Kim Dawson can get you work on getting you. Can't guarantee this can happen, (laughs) but a pre-approval letter. That's very important when you're out there looking for homes. Because people want to know you're serious and you're not just like a, a looky-loo, right? And I just like to go through on open houses and see what's going on in here. Check out the granite, things like that. Uh, call Kim Dawson. She can really help you out. I did a refinance with her last year, and she did a great job. Uh, if you mention a Jeff Orvitz show, you get $250 off the lender's fee at closing. 928-310-6458. That's 928-310-6458. Or go to Nova Home Loans. Dot com slash Kim Dawson. Kim Dawson, NLS 697-411. Nova Home Loans, NMLS 3087-BK number 090242. Equal housing opportunity. Subject to credit approval. Terms and conditions may apply. Call Diamond Auto Glass first before making an auto glass claim. Here's why. Most insurance companies use a nationwide glass shop to answer their calls, and they're going to try and route you to their shop, which may very well delay the time it takes to replace your glass. When you get a rock chip in your windshield, stop by Diamond Auto Glass as soon as possible. Repairing a chip will stop it from spreading and save you from a costly windshield replacement. If you've replaced your windshield with Diamond Auto Glass, you have a lifetime chip repair warranty and no appointments necessary. Just stop on by on 4th Street and Flagstaff, and most chip repairs take about 10 to 15 minutes. Always call Diamond Auto Glass first at 928-779-4140. That's 928-779-4140, or go to thedifferenceisclear.com. Mark Howitz with me. Larry Barron's up next. Uh, our energy guy. We're going to talk about oil and um, energy prices, things like that. So stick around. Uh, Mark has spent a lot of time over in Israel. Has a lot of friends over there that he's been uh, talking to over the past couple of days. We'll probably carry this into the second hour because I don't know if in four minutes we're going to go from we just did two thousand, couple thousand years <laughs> of history in um, in, in, in Israel. Um, and here we are, it's 19, after World War II. Yeah, so 19, from there. 1948 times, Okay, um, Israel becomes a nation, and immediately the surrounding Muslim nations, some of whom were brand new, Jordan didn't exist really as a nation before this, they also became a nation. But you had even Iraq coming over to attack Israel. So basically, <clears throat> Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Jordan, Egypt, 
all attack Israel. Can I say something real quick? I don't know much about the history of Israel, but I do know that, especially after World War One, a lot of European powers just drew lines on maps and didn't take anything into account as far as Iraq yes. and all these places. And we're so still true. dealing with those problems today, but go ahead. That is exactly right. Yeah, lots of European problems. But anyway, the forces came in, the Muslim forces came in, taxed Israel. Um, the Israelis lost the old city of Jerusalem, got taken over. Um, Gaza, what's called the West Bank, the Golan Heights. Israel got crushed down to a very small size. At its narrowest, I think it was six miles wide. Oh, wow. Between Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. So super narrow, right? Uh, Fast forward about 11 years, you had the 1967 war. So the Russians were helping the Egyptians and the Syrians to attack Israel. And Israel did a preemptive strike. And it's called the Six-Day War. They, yep. they basically wiped him out in six days. Jordan made the mistake of jumping into the war. And Jordan's on the Israel's east side. And so the Israelis beat back the Syrians, beat back the Egyptians, captured all of Sinai, a huge area, got the Golan and more. They, got, they reached basically to Damascus. And then the Jordanians lost everything up to the Jordan River. So the Israelis regained Jerusalem, all of what's now called the West Bank, all that fell under Israeli control. Fast forward six more years, you had the 1973 Yom Kippur War, which Yom Kippur is the holiest day in Ju- Judaism. Jews are fasting, they're in synagogue all day. The Russians, again, helped the Egyptians and Syrians do a combined attack against Israel, caught Israel off guard, almost wiped them out, almost turned into a nuclear um, event over there. The Israelis were very close to um, using the nuclear bomb to set back the enemies. And officially, they don't have a nuclear bomb, right? Well, or nuclear bombs. I mean, there's not, has there ever been any, they're not listed as that, but it's obviously they well, got them. I've literally been in Israel where they're, they're like, right over there is our, uh, quote, top secret nuclear reactor. Yeah. And you can see. Well, there's such a small country. It's not like they're hidden in Montana <laughs> somewhere. Hide, right? Yeah, like here we've got them spread out yeah, in yeah. multiple places. Yeah. So it's well known. And the Israeli authorities starting some years back, have started leaking that fact okay. just to deter their enemies. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, 73, almost a nuclear war. Um, the U.S. provided some airlifts and some assistance to Israel to help them uh, win mm-hmm. in that war. And it was really another proxy war of the U.S. versus Russia, right? Yeah, One of many. One of many. We've yeah. seen this in Iran and Iraq conflict. Hey, we're still doing that. It's still yeah, happening it's today. Still doing that. Yeah. You know, we've seen it in Afga- Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. where we both Afghanistan, on, Ukraine. You know, yeah. Ukraine, we, we do this constantly it. with the Russians. Um, which the Russians may be involved with this current one as well. We'll see. But uh, 73, the Israelis end up winning again. Um, Fast forward a few years to the Carter era, and you had the peace deal between Egypt and Israel. Okay. Israel gave up the Sinai Peninsula back to Egypt as part of a deal to say, we're going to make normalized relations between Egypt and Israel. Um and I forgot, I'm slipping, slipping my mind, the guy from Egypt, um, Sadat, right? Oh, okay. Yep. You know, goes back to his home country. He's assassinated. You know, the extreme Muslims don't like that. Um, and years later, Rabin gets assassinated. Mm-hmm. It was Begin back then, but Rabin, for making a peace deal, also gets assassinated in Israel. Um, not a popular thing on either side to give up land. The Sinai deal with Egypt, the Israelis had already built um, housing there. And as part of the deal, they, Egypt did not want the Gazans. Um, they do not, nobody wants the so-called Palestinians because they're, they're trouble. Egypt doesn't want them. Jordan doesn't want them. Nobody wants them. 
And so instead of moving the Gazans into the Sinai, into the housing that's already built and brand new, part of the deal was, no, we're going to destroy, bomb out the housing, just destroy it. Okay, just take it out completely. All right, I hate to do this. we got to continue this more. we got Larry Barron's coming up, though, and then we'll we'll continue on this discussion because I I think we should know that history and where we stand today as well. So Mark Howitt, like I said, has been there many times, and and there's a lot of people over there. Um, Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Always love your comments. Get those in right now. We'll try to slip them in here in just a little bit. All right, ZeroResNorthernArizona.com. Look, they've got a great deal for you right now. You want to save a little bit of money. Use promo code FALL, capital F-A-L-L, 15. Get 15 bucks off any ZeroRes services. That includes the carpet cleaning, your tile cleaning, get all that grime off the tile. Uh, also, fabrics on your vehicle, fabrics um, you know on your couches, things like that. Zero Res is a great process that gets rid of everything. I, I talked to Kristen last week. She was on the program, what was that, last Friday. Talk about their great system that doesn't make all the carpet all crusty and all that. So call Zero Res Northern Arizona right now. Uh, they'll do a great job for you. 928-378-8888. 928-378-8888 or go to zeroresnorthernarizona.com and no matter how you contact them, use that promo code and save some money. Fall 15. That's fall 15. It is uh, Taco Tuesday at Sportsman's Bar and Grill. Take advantage of a great price on great tacos. They have really good tacos up there. Uh, Sportsman's Bar and Grill, just north of downtown Flagstaff. We got to talk about that hospital sometime too, Mark. At one point, some point, uh, Sportsman's Bar and Grill, great tacos there. You'll enjoy that. Uh, great drink specials all the time. Uh, and remember, uh, tomorrow's Wing Wednesday, so half price wings. That's for lunch as well. So stop on by there at Sportsman's Bar and Grill, get some great food, have a good time, and enjoy those tacos. Hang tight. We, uh, we got Larry Barron's coming up here in just a second. Let's talk about the situation when it comes to our energy issues, uh, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, and more. Back in just a minute. listening to the podcast please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there if you're not listening to the podcast subscribe look up the jeff orbit show also on video rumble follow us there and on youtube subscribe we appreciate everyone who's done that Listening to the Jeff Orovitz Show. This is the Jeff Orovitz Show. All right, welcome back. Uh, Larry Barons joins us. Um, PowerTheFuture.com, PowerTheFuture.com. And, and Larry, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. So good to talk with you. Yeah, good to hear from you. Um, Mark Howitt and I were just talking about, you know, giving some history of what's going on. Uh, over in Israel, thousands of years of history, and we're going to continue that here at the top of the second hour. But Larry, there's obviously there's a lot of issues here when it comes to uh, looking past the, the the barbarism that's happened 
which you can't look past. But looking um, at other issues when it comes to the Middle East, obviously, it's energy and oil uh, is the big one. What do you your thoughts on what's going on over there, and yeah. how, how this could impact things going going forward? Yeah, it, it, I mean, uh, as usual, it's it's complex and multifaceted, but everyone pretty much understands it already, you know, and, and I don't have thousands of years of history. I have about half a decade of history. And that's about the time when uh, President Trump imposed sanctions on Iran and said, you know what, you're not going to be able to sell your oil anywhere. You're not the kind of country that works well with others. We uh, uh, He abandoned Obama's nuclear negotiation with him and said, we're going to restrict your oil. Well, Joe Biden uh, quietly uh, looked the other way on those sanctions and let Iran amass billions upon billions. And I know the, the $6 billion he gave for the American hostages is getting attention as it should. But we also need to pay attention to the fact that Iran had a record year last year for oil exports. That's before Joe Biden handed over the $6 billion. They were already making billions from Venezuela and China moving their oil to the world market because Joe Biden decided, oh, it'll help us with a nuclear deal. And as a plus, it'll help us to have more oil on the world market, which made lower prices. Mm. Now, keep in mind, this was the same Joe Biden who wouldn't you know, work with American producers at all. But look the other way on Iranian sanctions and Iran got paid. And now this week we see what they've been using the money for. And that money was like sitting in an account somewhere, didn't they, like South Korea or something like that for years? No, this, yeah, no, this is different. This okay. is different than the, 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 this is an addition to no. that, oh, right? Okay. Great. And, and, and so, yeah, I know the Biden administration likes to say, well, that, that was the killings of humanity. No, no, this was money where Iran is not be able to sell their oil. And the only way they're able to do it is if the United States is lax and looks the other way and allows them to do it. And Joe Biden, hoping to curry favor with them and add oil to the world market, looks the other way. Iran had a record year for oil. And so they were taking in billions from their illegal oil sales because Joe Biden left them for years right up until now. And even today, we didn't hear Joe Biden mention Iran once. We didn't hear him mention, you know what, I'm going to reimpose those sanctions because his war against American energy is more important than people in Iran, you know, being cut off. If he, if he really wants to help our allies, he's going to make sure that we have the energy we need not only to help ourselves, but to help our allies. And he just really hasn't done that. Well, and Mark and I were talking in the beginning of the show about how, just going back to times like World War II and how so many other countries were f- literally fighting to get to the oil supplies, whichever regions in the world you want to pick out. And here we are as, as you know, Americans, we have – and you tell me how abundant our supplies are here, Larry. I think we know we have abundant supplies, but Biden has done nothing but make it nearly impossible to bring new supplies online. You're, you're absolutely right. And when you say nearly impossible, we can put a fine point on that. He's leased the fewest acres on land of any president since Harry Truman. And not to begrudge Harry Truman, because that's just the year that they started keeping track. So mm. least than any president ever offshore in the Gulf Coast, he has proudly says he is going to have the fewest leases in the history of the United States. And it's only those leases that he has to let out so that he can continue to get massive wind subsidies from his Inflation Reduction Act bill. And so they had tied him putting those leases to wind subsidies. Otherwise, he would do zero. And so, yes, he has, he has brought us to historic lows in terms of available land for production. And your point is well taken. History shows us that the countries that are self-sufficient uh, have a much better chance of being strong in the world stage. Energy independence is, or energy security is the same as national security. And sadly, Joe Biden has surrendered both. 
And if we wanted to, I've asked you this question in the past, Larry, if we wanted to flick on America's uh, mighty resources of, of oil so then we can refine it and to make gasoline and diesel and other stuff, uh, that takes how long? Yeah, it's a great question. And I know in the past I've said, you know, sometimes two years, sometimes, you know, and don't uh, underestimate the American energy worker, which the latter part is absolutely still true. But we have to, to start getting honest about what he has done. He has dismantled it to a level where supply chains are insane. You have a workforce that is leery of going back to the job while he is in office because they know that the second the political winds change, that they could be out of a job. And you have people who would invest that are leery of the very same thing. I mean, you have a, a president here who seems to tilt to wherever the political winds blow and not really with reality. And so assuming that Joe Biden would be consistent as opposed to consistently bad, uh, I would still say two years. But let's okay. just be honest. Joe Biden has a historically bad presidency, and and it was – you know, brewing before this week, but this week has exposed it. Yeah, no, and I, I have no doubt we could click things on even quicker if, quite frankly, government got out of the way and we absolutely <laughs> had to. You're not going to hook those windmills up to um, aircraft carriers or tanks or freight trains that need to get things across the country. So, Larry, yeah. the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, SPR, we've talked about that extensively in, in the past. Um, these are different storage areas in the country, I believe, that have – uh, oil sitting in there? They, they are around the country, but they're also pretty well concentrated along the Gulf Coast. Okay. Uh, is this like underground stuff or are these like tanks that you, you know? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes is, to both. both. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and ironically, in some areas, it is underground tanks. And so it is about, I want to say, and, and golly, I knew the number right before you asked me. So, I mean, it's hundreds of millions of barrels okay. that is there. We are down to, with what the United States consumes per day, as we, as you and I are talking right now, we're down to, if we had to live off just the SPR, we would have 17 days. Now, this comes at a time when the president has sent an aircraft carrier group to Israel to help uh, protect our interests there. And keep in mind, to your point, it wasn't the wind-powered or the solar-powered uh, aircraft carrier that he sent. Yeah. And so it was— You want to keep uh, that uh, in home waters. I mean, you want to yeah. protect but that pride has, of the fleet there. That's right. He is, but he has drained the SPR uh, more than any other president in history. And he does that. You know, whenever you hear Joe Biden say, I haven't heard American production, look at these production numbers. Well, those production numbers also count the SPR. So that was uh, oil that we had already stored. And so, yeah, it's at its lowest level ever. It is at a time when we are facing a growing international crisis. And he has used it as a strategic political reserve. And it takes going to take a long time to refill that back up. There's, is there any indication that they are, have even started to do that? Yeah, it's a great question. They they actually, over this last summer, had finally promised, say, okay, we're going to start to buy some. But then by the prices had ticked up to where it was economically impossible to do it, right? Because they have to buy that oil uh, at, at the market price. And, and let's just remember, when the pandemic first hit, and oil actually went negative, Donald Trump was saying, well, let's buy it now. Let's buy a whole bunch of oil and and fill the strategic petroleum reserve since it's so cheap right now. Yeah. And so Donald Trump filled that at about when oil was at about $30, $40 a barrel. And Joe Biden is going to have to do, you know refill it if he wanted to today uh, when it's double that. And so he's caused the price of oil to go up. But then he's waiting for the price of oil to come down to refill it. And in this case, you know, I'm waiting, uh, I'm sure as many of 
you know, your listeners are, we're waiting at the price of the pump to go down as well. Lo and behold, it just isn't. And so it is something that, you know, Jimmy Carter started in order to protect us from, you know, lo and behold, problems in the Middle East and from OPEC being able to jerk us around. And Joe Biden has, you know, made OPEC great again by drinking this important reserve. Yeah, I, I mean, I never thought I'd say this, but I wish we could trade out Jimmy Carter for Joe Biden. Oh. I, know, it, it, <laughs> I mean, it's it second over, over Joe yeah, Biden. Yeah, right, and that's sure. just crazy talk right there. I know, it is. And, and, and I would have thought, you know, a year ago, I said, oh, you know, I don't know. What's that. You're absolutely right. We're, it, it, it is that bad right now because at, at least then you had a president who had a, a at least a vague grounding in the I have to do something for the American people. Yeah. Now, he didn't know what to do and didn't know how to do it. Yeah. But Joe Biden doesn't have that. He has an agenda that is independent of the well-being of our nation. And the problem is we're seeing the, the terrible results of that come home to roost. Larry, we're tight on time, but I, I think uh, I like this uh, a solution here. And let me get your take on this real quick. Um, sure. I don't see a solution with this administration. Sadly, we're going to probably have to wait. I, I don't see them fixing this and unleashing our potential to help. Um, our strategic position, but also to help uh, everybody out there who's struggling with inflation and the cost of fuel and everything that that involves entails and, and cause, causes those prices to go up. Uh, do you see mm-hmm. another solution? I mean, is there something, is there a quick fix here or is it just, we need new people? Uh, we absolutely need new people. Um, in light of, of new people, you know, you have a Congress that can control the purse strings a bit, right? Joe Biden has $369 billion that is supposed to go to sun panels and windmills. You can have members of Congress hold that up. I'm old enough to remember when a senator uh, from Arizona who was running for re-election decided, oh, we're going to take off uh, the federal tax off of gasoline because gasoline prices are so high. He hasn't suggested that now because I guess he's not up for re-election. So it was a blatant political move. But maybe if someone can pull his ear and say, you know what, you cared about what families were paying uh, when you were running for re-election. Can you just at least fake that you care about what they're paying right now as well and join up and say, you know, we to look at relief for American families and what they're paying, but they could absolutely, uh, you know, unleash American energy. Yeah. But that is, you know, it, it's like that is sitting behind a canister that says "break glass in case of emergency." And Joe Biden has not He won't do it. Yeah, he won't apparently. do it. And where his, his yep. handlers won't do it. All right, Larry. Hey, always appreciate it. Powerthefuture.com. Go check that out. Uh, Powerthefuture.com. We'll talk with you real soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Absolutely. All right. Love to hear from you as well. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. All right. If you're selling a home right now in the Flagstaff area, Kelly Broadus with the Broadus Properties Group, brokered by EXP, is the one you're going to want to call. That's what Lucas and Aaron did. They needed to move out of state. They needed to sell their property in parks. Uh, so they had Kelly Broadus take care of it all. She puts a bunch of money into this stuff, a bunch of time into this stuff. Does all the aerial photos and all this and that. And I joke with her when she comes on, you, you put up the balloons and do the open house, right? She's like, yeah, it's <laughs> a little more than that. But anyway, they sold it, got got a great price, and they've been able to move on, no strings attached. Here's Kelly's number, 888-446-5602. That's 888-446-5602. Or go to northernarizonafinehomes.com. Uh, Angela and I switched over to... Allstate Insurance Agency last year. We're still in the process, which takes us a long time to do this stuff. Um, she did all the research, and Eric Boatner, Lisa Boatner at Allstate Agency have done an excellent job for us. Great customer service. We're very happy. We wouldn't be telling you that unless we went through a couple-year process, quite frankly. Your homes, home, auto, 
home policy, auto policy, motorcycle, RV. If you got off-road vehicles, if you got a boat, little boat, big boat, <laughs> they can take care of all that. Business owners, life insurance policy. Call Eric Boatner and Lisa Boatner at 928-774-8722. That's 928-774-8722. Back in a minute. listening to the podcast please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there if you're not listening to the podcast subscribe look up the jeff orbit show also on video rumble follow us there and on youtube subscribe we appreciate everyone who's done that this is the jeff orbit show Mark, I, I let's carry this into the second hour of the show because we got to 1948, and I think we need to get up to why things are the way they are today. Um, yep. Yeah, to today, and discuss this even more. Um, we'll do that in the second hour. Um, I, this is an interesting one, real quick. Some Arizona news picks because if I don't do it now, we're not going to get to it. I, this, you said the city of Flagstaff's voting on. $80,000 electric vehicles? Yeah, is that they're, tonight? They're voting today. <laughs> uh, they start at 3 p.m. on oh. Tuesdays with their meetings. So yeah, by the okay. time you're listening to this show, it's already... You've already got um, it's, clean air. The money is spent. Yeah. So there are uh, eight new electric vehicles. Um, six of them pickup trucks. And <laughs> the pickup trucks are over 80000 each. Um, like F-150, the, the, the Lightning yeah, they, or something? Yeah, they there. paid a premium for a Lightning because they're hard to get, so they, they went ahead and paid the dealership over... And what they should have paid, and then um, five Chevys, and then they're also getting two electric Mustangs. <laughs> is this for PD? One is for a police aide. So this is not an official police officer, just someone that helps out. So isn't it like a little UTV or go kart or something? Yeah. Well, they usually <laughs> give them an old police vehicle that's yeah. run down. So now it's going to be this hyper fast. I mean, if yeah, you're the, zero to sixty in two seconds with so those electric like cars. This, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so yeah, if you're the yeah. kid that's the police aide, you're going to be. Uh, no. Souped up now. Why are they doing? And I, I, I wrote them and said, hey, look, at least read about what's going on in the Congo with the cobalt yeah, mines yeah. and the child slave labor yep. and all this. Yep. You are funding this city of Flagstaff by doing this. Angela brought that to me months ago. I was like, huh. Yeah. I didn't know that was I didn't happening. either until I looked yeah. it up. Okay. There goes your... I got tax bills upstairs, by the way. So, yeah. Just paid mine. We'll, uh, I guess boo. we'll be paying for those electric vehicles. Mark Howe continues next hour. Some of your comments. We'll try to get that as well. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Back in just a few minutes. Hi, this is Jeff Orvitz, and I started Flagstaff4Lease.com several years ago to provide homes and office space in the Flagstaff area. Check out my current listings up at Flagstaff, the number 4, Lease.com. That's Flagstaff4Lease.com. We've got everything from one to four-bedroom homes available right now. Also, we have office space. Single-room suites up to larger spaces are now available up at Flagstaff4Lease.com. Or call 928-526-7909. Flagstaff4Lease.com is an equal housing opportunity. This hour of the show is brought to you by Sportsman's Bar and Grill. This is the Jeff Orvid Show.
All right, welcome back. Hour two of the show. Mark Howitz here with me. Um, we're going to kind of continue from where we were in the beginning of the show last hour. We had Larry Barron's on last hour, so we kind of got, I wouldn't say interrupted. That wouldn't be because he gave us a lot of great information on what's going on with the oil when yep. it comes to the Middle East, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Listen back to that through the podcast. Um, but you had started with the history because you've been over in Israel. Yes. You've been there. You've lived there multiple years. Multiple years. The first time was in 1992. Okay. And lived on kibbutz, and we can talk about what that was. Well, yeah, yeah, just go there now because okay. I'm going to forget. Because I did see that people were slaughtered on a kibbutz commune. Do I have that right? Yes. Okay. So what is that? All right. So when Israel was first becoming a nation again in, well, really with the influx of Jews through the 30s and 40s and then eventually becoming a state, 47, um, 48 with the war. Mm-hmm. The founders of Israel were largely on kibbutzim, which is a communist agricultural setting, a farm, if you will. Okay. Um, you grow livestock, grow your food. Mm. Um, I lived on one. We grew, you know, we had milk production, egg production, tomatoes, yeah. avocados, fish, all kinds of stuff we grew. And so that, that farming system, the kibbutzim, really is what got modern Israel going. Uh, very urban. They went in, they drained the swamps. A lot of Israel had become swamps because uh, the Muslims had cut down the trees, which then caused erosion okay. from the mountains into the valleys, clogging up the rivers, the streams, creating marshes, swamp swamps. Land in the areas there, and I think I think desert, but these yep. are very irrig- or a lot of water in these areas. Yes, yeah, so the northern that's third, where they settled. Yeah, the northern third of Israel is very water. When you think of the desert part of Israel, it's the negative of the south down towards Sinai. It's like thinking of Arizona. It's very like much like Arizona. Phoenix, you know, yes. and everyone's like, "There's no snow in Arizona. There's no rain in Arizona." Yeah, yeah hey, for example, north. Israel has a similar population in one tenth of the area. Yeah, you were saying last hour the size of New Jersey. Yeah, or smaller. Yeah, it's it's yeah. one tenth of Arizona. Yeah, very densely populated. But the there. same same population. Okay. Okay. So. The kibbutzim, uh, they really, they were Marxists, basically. Mm-hmm. The, the Jews coming from Eastern Europe and everything, is the Marxism was kind of a new thing. They're like, hey, let's try this thing out. And you're hanging out there? And I so, mean, we were talking after World War II. But. Yeah, so early on, they were very communist, <laughs> okay. even to the point of, like, communally raising their children in yeah, separate yeah, homes yeah. from their parents. And it got, yeah. it got a little weird, and it lasted yeah. for a long time. When I was there in the 90s, capitalism was just trickling into the the kibbutzes. Okay. Um, and now they're basically, I wouldn't say full on capitalists, but they've, they've really realized that's, that's how things have to be. It's similar to like the hippie communes that were happening over here. And then they all became like the Silicon Valley people. And you know, yes. all of a sudden wanted to make <laughs> yeah. profit. Right. Well, <laughs> part of the problem is the founders are like, all right, let's all work together yeah. for the common good. And then their kids are like, <laughs> Well, we want to move to the big city yeah. and hang out with and make, money. And make I, money. Every time you try these things, like like Jamestown way back, you know, it's yeah. just, it ends in, it's you kind it, of, it's just, there, we went to a place, not to, there was a place up in, uh, it was in Minnesota or something, it's where they make the washer machines and all that, I can't remember the name of it, but they had like a, a commune going on there, I don't remember yep. if they, I think they were Germans. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to remember the name of the actual group and all that, but it, it worked great for a while and yes. then it didn't. And that seems to be what always happens when there's no profit motive eventually. Yeah. There's still a few communes around the U S yeah. there's one yeah. in Arkansas, there's one in Chicago. There's, there's a couple around. Um, some of them, a lot of them are Christian based communes, but again, the, the, the first generation is like, Hey, we're all on the same page. Let's work together for yeah, the common yeah, good. Yeah. A generation or two later. And they're like, eh, it's yeah. the same for me. Either they're taking advantage of everybody else's hard work or they want out. Yeah. And so a lot of the kibbutzes are 
basically for-profit farms that are much more capitalistic than they used to be. But um, the area around Gaza is, and Gaza included, is very fertile. I mean, I think Southern California, you know, you can grow oranges, you can grow all kinds of crops. Um, The climate in general in Israel, um, the agricultural climate is very similar to California. So it's it's really fertile. The cornucopia. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. So that's where a lot of slaughter happened was at that um, commune. Yep. So a lot of the, the area just outside of Gaza, on the Israeli side, is farming land. Okay. And then you have the cities of Ashdod and Ashkelon, and then further up Jaffa and Tel Aviv along the coast. And um, those got hit with rockets. Yeah. Um, so coordinated of, from all over the place. Yeah, when you think rocket, don't think like ICBM or SpaceX. Think of more like fireworks. Is this, is this more like IED type stuff that we were, uh, yes. they were seeing in Iraq and Afghanistan? Yep. Yeah, you, homemade stuff. They're shooting it over. They're hoping it hits somewhere. It's gonna if they launch whatever they said five thousand or three thousand, yeah. you're gonna hit something. Hit something. It's just an absolute barrage. And they've done it for so long. They've kind of dialed in yeah. the trajectories and the amount of gunpowder or propellant that you use. Okay, let's go back to because you you went through a lot of history last hour. We get up to the 1970s, 1980s. I'm trying to understand. There was the the, the people were pushing the two state solution, correct? And yep. you have you have Palestine, and you have the whole um, Gaza Bank. Uh, I'm sorry, um, West Bank and Gaza area, correct? Yep. And you have that whole area. So you mentioned how many people have lived in there, different areas, Greeks, et cetera, et cetera. Who is there? Is it just Palestinians now? I mean, what what has happened there that's changed it so dramatically over the past couple of decades, and has caused so much terrorism and so many problems. Okay, so if we if we back up a little bit, 1948 okay. again, okay, 47, um, there was no Jordan, okay, nation of Jordan. There was no nation of Israel, no West Bank, no Gaza. Just a bunch of Arabs and Jews living together. Um, rural setting. Rural setting. Okay, population low, was low, and the Jews formed the state of Israel. Gets acknowledged by the U.S., the U.N., Russia. Everybody is like, all right, we're on board with this, and there was. Jordan became a nation, and there, it was more of a three-state solution. And then there was going to be a a state for the, we call them now often Palestinians, that's not really the proper term, but Arabs living within the land of Israel, a third state, and that was going to carry over. And, you know, the, the white powers that be in Europe were, like, drawing on maps, random yeah, lines, and they didn't this, know. that, they, didn't they, know they had history, no idea, yeah. right? And so if we go back pre-48, pre-47, um, 30s and beyond, going back in history, you would have Jews and Arabs in Gaza, Jews and Arabs in East Jerusalem, all over the place. And when the war broke out, War of Independence, 47, 48, is when it was fought, um, the Arabs and the Jews basically forced each other out of areas as the war happened, as with any war. Yeah. And so the Jews got forced into the area around Tel Aviv, Haifa, um, Western Jerusalem, center part of the country and the muslims got gaza the west bank the golan heights um okay. all that and again going back there was no lebanon there was no it, everything yeah. was post-world war ii allies versus you know germans and italians at that point um so they all you ended up with the jews in the center part of the country and gaza became basically a muslim enclave. okay so that's everybody was there but basically. to give you an idea in back then the population in Gaza, 147,000 people. You're talking post-World War II? Post-World War II. 150,000 approximately. 150,000. Okay. So a yeah. little bigger than uh, Flagstaff. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're talking, yeah. yeah. 
And it was a mix, you know, of Jews and Irish yeah. back then. So Flagstaff metropolitan area, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe Williams and Winslow. So guess what the population is now in Gaza? Uh, five million. Two million. Two, okay, million. two million. So we went Nine from 150,000 to two, two million. Two million in, in the last 60, 75 years. years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right? So oh. incredible. For every person that dies in Gaza, eight are born. Yeah. They don't have that demographic problem we were talking about, like China and Japan and no. U.S., even in Europe. Uh, and that's true for, I think, most of the Muslim countries. They're very young countries. And anytime you get a very young population, and I've said this before, the um, young, you know, 16 to like 35-year-old male is one of the most dangerous beings on the, on the face of the earth because there's a lot going on there. And then you throw them all in a tight area. Yeah, very tight you know? area. Gaza right now is the most densely populated area in the world. Really, even more than like Mexico City, Tokyo, things yeah. like for density, so small. person yeah, per yeah, acre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's such a tiny area with two million people, huh. super tiny area. Okay, and that creates tension right there, tension and right poverty. There. And, and you mentioned, issues. you know, lots of young men, mm-hmm. and the young men outnumber the young women. Oh, and that's so there's not even enough girls today. Yeah, and that becomes one of the boiling points right there. Right. So you got them tightly together in a situation of. Poverty, unemployed, so it doesn't take much to get a radical, to be radicalized and say, yep. it's them over there. It's their fault. Yeah, and then because I'm trying to wrap my head around, we've seen evil before. This is just pure evil, what it happened. Is. It's unreal what's happening. Um, I can't, I mean, we're talking about just, just rampant slaughter. Um, there's reports of in one town, let me get the name of this well, one. Let's give Mark. you an idea, so... 40 babies have been killed, some beheaded. Yeah, Kafar, I can't pronounce this, um, this name. Kafar Aza, which okay. Kafar just means village. Okay, okay, well, 40 babies killed. Yeah. Uh, they're saying babies beheaded. Yes. Um, women, old people, young people, it didn't matter, it was, just, it was just straight up. Slaughter. Kill, kill, yes. kill, kill. And brutally so. Brutally kill, rape, kidnapping. And God knows what's happened to those people that are kidnapped. And I know, yep. I mean, Israel is now planning a, a land invasion of Gaza. And other Has to areas. be, yep. Yes, and, but how many people are still over there? How many hundreds or, or thousands are still over there? I think there's missing Americans as well, I might add. Mm-hmm. And I think Biden, he came out and spoke today. He said there's 14 confirmed American deaths. That- yeah, so the, the number of hostages is currently unknown. It's estimated around 150. Okay. Uh, the reason it's unknown is you're still looking, counting the dead bodies, identifying yeah. the dead bodies. And so if someone's been killed, then they're obviously not a hostage. But you've got, you got these people that are missing, and then mm-hmm. you're slowly finding out, oh, no, they were slaughtered at the music festival. 260 people at this music festival were yeah. slaughtered. And, um, you know, just the massive slaughters, you've got to figure this whole thing out. And then once you figure out, all right, all these people are missing, they must be hostages. And there's reports of even taking people in wheelchairs and wheeling them back into Gaza as hostages. It's just demented. It's, I mean, it's just, it's, and I, I was trying to think back on this because we see this breakdown in humanity, unfortunately, every couple decades where mm-hmm. people go nuts and evil seeps in, right? And I was thinking back to the 90s with R- Rwanda, for example, mm-hmm. Um uh, uh, Serbia, remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was trying to think back though, where there was like a concerted military effort um, to to do this thing. I thought about Khmer Rouge and Cambodia in the seventies, mm-hmm. but then I really thought back to obviously Nazi Germany, yeah, uh, Japan when they invaded China, yes. uh, and that brutal. was that brutal. was brutal, and you, the raping of, of Nanking, I believe it was, and there was 
beheadings of babies and bayonet, you know, and oh, just slaughter whole villages. Yeah, yeah. And I just, it's, it's incomprehensible how this kind of evil can seep in mm-hmm. and all of a sudden something like this, like this happens. And the only thing you can do and the only thing Israel can do is go in and do what they've got to do there, which they're planning. I mean, you, you're in touch with people mm-hmm. there. I mean, this is a, a culture in a country that's like, they're going to go there. What do you think is going to happen? Let me, let me start with that, Mark. Okay. So that's a complicated question. Yeah. Um, I do need to point out. So a lot of people say, what about all the poor people in Gaza mm-hmm. that need humanitarian aid? A couple of things. All right. So every time Israel has taken land or shut down borders or anything, it's because the Muslim element has attacked first, you know, whether it be the war of independence, Israel did not attack first. They were attacked by five Muslim countries, uh, 1967 war, Egypt and Syria, you know, planning attack against Israel and Jordan. Yom Kippur War, the Intifadas against Israel, you know, the Lebanese War. All these are results of the actions of the Muslim countries and the Muslim populace. The people in Gaza voted for the terrorist organization to become their government. What did they expect was going to happen? Mm-hmm. And what did they expect when that group that they elected attacks another country really attacks Israel and in a brutally sadistic manner. What do they expect is going to happen? And so the, the liberal left media will be like, Oh, Israel's doing horrible things. They're bombing population centers. Well, the reality is Israel knows where Gaza headquarters. It's in apartment buildings. It's in school buildings. Yeah. They're mixed in with the hospitals. They're mixed in with the population. And Israel sends out notices in advance. What country does this and says, we are going to bomb this building. I leave it saw that they were saying, but they're just going to leave, yeah. right? They're, gonna, they're the first ones to leave. Right. I'm talking about the Hamas. The, the Hamas is first yeah. out. They're, they're gone. Yep. Yep. So how do you go in there and even, and I'm not, a, I'm not a military guy, obviously. I don't know strategy or anything like that, but yep. I just think back with our recent experience in Afghanistan, Iraq, and trying to get into a general population how do you do that? It's just, it's almost, it becomes a very impossible situation, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really, uh, you know, there, there's no good solution for this. Yeah. Um, the, the big, big concern right now is getting the hostages back. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, I was in a terrorist attack in 2002. What uh, happened? A bomb went off? Yeah. So we're, I was attending the Hebrew university and, uh, this Arab Muslim was painting our classrooms. And uh, at lunch, when we went up to get our lunch, he took a backpack, came into our cafeteria, set it on a table, walked out, mm. called the cell phone connected to the bomb, and blew up the bomb. And I was less than 30 feet from the bomb. Mm. The only reason I wasn't physically injured besides hearing was there, it was a packed cafeteria. And so the nine people closest got killed. Okay. The next periphery lost, you know, facial features, hands, you know, shrapnel hitting them. Uh, shrapnel didn't get as far as me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I... I experienced a crazy bombing. All right, so those guys were caught. They had carried out about five different bombings in Israel, killed 35 people, maimed hundreds, were caught, thrown in prison. The Hamas managed to capture one Israeli soldier, Gilad Shalit, and uh, he, television shows Homeland, is a story about him. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, So so there was a trade, there was a swap? There was a swap. And the swaps are never even. No, it was it's over like 400. It's going to say 500 to one. It's always yeah. something. Yeah. It, was, it was approximately 400, 450 to one, yeah. including the murderers that bombed us were set free yeah. to get back this one. And the Israelis put it off and put it off. But after you know a couple of years of this guy being held 
by Hamas, the public just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And so now we're talking instead of one, they've got 150, maybe more. <sighs> it's, it's just crazy stuff, Mark. All right. More with Mark out when we come back. And any comments, always love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, Glenn Lease has got this uh, anti-woke uh, portfolio. I find it interesting. I do <laughs> he's, too. He's yeah. talked about it here on the program. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the right fit for you. You should call him, talk to him about it, and have him do a complimentary evaluation on your portfolio. Um, I, I do like the idea of the anti-woke uh, portfolio. Just like the conversation I had yesterday with someone about... Um, he started a credit card company for conservatives, hmm. and they vote to give to conservative causes every quarter or something. <laughs> Take a percentage of the product. Anyway, um, I, I like that kind of stuff. So, uh, wait, why don't you give Glenn Lease the call at WT Wealth Management? Have that conversation with him, 928-225-2474. That's Glenn Least at WT Wealth Management, 928-225-2474. More with Mark Howitt. Uh, plus, we'll try to get to a couple of uh, news updates, a couple of items. The time's slipping by pretty quickly, so stick around. Back in just a minute. GOP is meeting right now, by the way. They're doing like their candidate forum, oh, yeah, I yeah. guess. They started yeah. that a little while ago. I don't know. It's progressing. I figure I'll reach out to Congressman Biggs or Eli Crane or somebody here. Um, I think they're doing it again tomorrow. Maybe they'll start voting on a new speaker tomorrow or Thursday. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with all that, especially with the state the, the world is in. Um, although I, th- I think we're okay. We can still function without these guys till they find a, an appropriate speaker. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. It is true. And some of the media was bringing up uh, the concern about Israel and how we need to have our Speaker of the House in place. But the reality is the less America gets involved politically, it's probably going to be better. Because Israel's going to take care of this. They have the capability of, they do. Of, of, of handling this. And what usually happens is the U.S. holds them back more than enables them to actually take care of what to needs to not be done. But it might be hard this time with the pure anger... Mm-hmm. Uh, rightfully so that that's that's happening over there uh right now so i i don't know what's going to happen with the speaker thing it'll be interesting uh, interesting to see yeah uh who comes out of this and how this all plays in i, I did hear that we did we're sending ammunition over there sure. which is interesting because we've been talking about ukraine a lot yep and we're like okay we keep doing and i think ukraine is may drop off the face of the earth at this point that's probably what's going to happen and people are the interest in that was already waning right i think that's going to collapse We'll see. We'll see what happens yeah. with that one. Uh, Israel, you know, they, they make a lot of their own munitions. They make yeah. their own tanks. Yeah. Um, so they got a lot of stuff there. They've got a lot of stuff there. They, you know, they, we can supply them with uh, missiles for their planes and mm-hmm. helicopters and whatnot. But a lot of this is going to be hand-to-hand fighting until the hostages yeah. are returned. You know, Israel can bomb, you know, Hamas centers and stuff. But they have such an uh, anthill of underground tunnels in Gaza 
It's oh this, really? What's going on on the surface is not the important stuff. This it's, reminds me of like when you look back on Vietnam. Yes, you know the carpet much. bombing and there's people just um, making under those tunnels. under those tunnels. I, I actually we had an opportunity to go there with some uh, family friends years back. Yep, and we went to a section, um, the Coochie Tunnels. Yeah, and um, it's crazy to yeah. and and think about um, U.S. soldiers there and then going into those trying and to deal with that. Yeah. In just absolute insanity. And tunnel you, warfare has been a big thing. The Jews used this against the Romans back in you know, mm-hmm. first and second century. Yeah. They would go underground the tunnels and the Romans could only send in one soldier at a time because the tunnels narrow and the Jews would just kill them. Yeah. And the Romans sent in another soldier and kill them. <laughs> and then they tried to burn them out, but the tunnel complex was so, it's so elaborate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me do a quick comment here from Paul. Uh, hey, Jeff, the reason there is, and we were talking about... Um, Yesterday, the age of a lot of our senators, and I was shocked to see how many are in their 70s and 80s. It was like 66% were over the age of 60. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty surprising. Anyway, Paul wrote, uh, hey, Jeff, the reason they're still in office is because the American voters keep voting them back in. The founding fathers figured the voters would do their jobs and practice due diligence, and uh, they are not. In ancient Greece, even uh, uh, Socrates <laughs> made the statement the weakest part of the democratic republic would be the voters not doing due diligence yeah they, exactly i mean that's yep. i say term limits now paul but we shouldn't need it because the voters should have half a brain to know okay you're diane feinstein and you're not doing too good i'm sorry i need to get somebody else in here to do that job and obviously she just passed away right and her position was filled by a lobbyist a pro-abortionist lobbyist that doesn't even live in california good job there california you nice know, word. way to go so anyway th- thank you for that paul but yeah i that's why we do need a constitutional amendment for for term limits we do and we you know touching on israel quick america has a lot of checks and balances we we talk about the three branches of government yeah that's not even accurate because we have two branches just within congress yeah, it's true. Right. If you could have, I mean, right now we have technically divided government within Congress. Right. Sometimes, so, sometimes they're just a unit party, but. Yeah. yeah. Israel doesn't have that. They have the Supreme Court and the parliament. Mm-hmm. They don't have, they have a president, but he's a figurehead. So it's really only two branches. And they don't have two branches in parliament, just, just parliament and the Supreme Court. Is it, does he have to really, like, now he has to really go for authority to do a lot. He doesn't have that real uh, yeah, so big executive to, uh, authority. Right. He's not an elected executive. He's a elected member of parliament that forms a coalition. So, and he becomes so it's, like, a, it's like Britain. Like Britain. Yeah. He becomes, except Britain at least has a lower and upper house. That's true. Right. That's true. Yeah. But in, in there they can say, hey, we're, like a Biden, um, a Biden would be gone. They'd be like, hey, this ain't working out. Exactly. They'd get take care of that real quick. All right. More with Mark out here in just a second. Uh, hey, and if you're listening back to the podcast, please hit that subscribe button. Appreciate everybody who's uh, doing that. If you get a rock chip in your windshield, remember to always call my friends at Diamond Auto Glass first. And judging by the early rains, we're going to get 30 feet of snow this year, Mark. I don't know. It's probably not going to dry it. out. I'm loving it. Yeah. So cinders are going to be going out in the road, and they're going to you're going to get those rock chips. Call Diamond Auto Glass first. Here's why: you call your insurance company, they route you through one of those national chains because they man the phones. Makes sense, right? Uh, deal with a great Northern Arizona company. Deal with the company that Angela and I have been working with for our windshields for years. Diamond Auto Glass on Fourth Street in Flagstaff. 928-779-4140. 928 928- 779-4140 or go to thedifferenceisclear.com Still got time to call Gutter Helmet of Northern Arizona. Uh, Gutter Helmet's got 
a system that's been around for a long time, multi-patented reverse curve. It keeps all those pine needles out, and they're piling up right now um, and going to keep doing that for a while. Uh, Gutter Helmet has a great warranty, fully transferable for the material and, and, and uh, labor as well. Uh, Carl, the Gutter Helmet man, he can help you out, give you an estimate, get this system up before we hit that snow time. Uh, 928-318-6555, 928-318-6555. Mention the Jeff Orvich Show, the biggest discount that he's ever given. He started here a few weeks ago. Normally, he's been giving uh, my listeners 30% off, 35% off when you mention the Jeff Orvich Show, 35% off, mention the Jeff Orvich Show, Gutter Helmet of Northern Arizona, 928-318-6555, 928-318-6555, or go to gutterhelmetsnaz.com. Back in just a minute. listening to the podcast please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there if you're not listening to the podcast subscribe look up the jeff orvich show also on video rumble follow us there and on youtube subscribe we appreciate everyone who's done that Listening to the Jeff Orovitz Show. This is the Jeff Orovitz Show. All right, welcome back. Mark Howard here with me. Yeah, just we'll get back to Israel in just a second. One local update. Did see that um, Coconino County Board of Supervisor Matt Ryan is retiring. Did you see that one? I did. He's actually yeah. my supervisor. He's been oh, there a long time. Yeah, he's actually I, a neighbor too. Worked with him a couple times. Always a nice guy, but really there for a long time i I do wish that they would get um, term limits term limits and yeah because it's once you get in you can stay in if you want to stay in yeah i've actually Um, even tossed around the idea of running for his position but no labels no labels no labels guide labels guy get your eight signatures or whatever you can find the other no labels people (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but it's weird because he's retiring before his term is up so that's i don't know that's that's interesting. Yeah, I haven't so. talked to him in a while. Yeah. He has a neighbor who lives a couple streets over, okay. but I haven't right. caught up lately. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, Mark's been talking about Israel because he's been there and, and lived there. Um, where do you see this all heading as you still have hostages um, and you have Israel really amassing and getting ready to go in? And you mentioned pretty much street to street, hand to hand. Yeah. Um, it's going to be something that's it's going to be it's going to be brutal and there's going to yes. be heavy casualties. Um, all around, I would imagine. Um, do you? We have a very short attention span in the world. Public opinion turns very, very fast. Besides the nut jobs in some of these universities and this Talib, this 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 this, this congresswoman, oh, this one of the squad, squad. Yeah. she 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 got in the country, I believe, two thousand two thousand something, early two thousands, and became a citizen. I mean, we really need to look at our immigration system because, wow. Yes. You know? Anyway, these nut jobs that are like, uh, you know, a ceasefire now. Would you? Are you serious? I mean, that's not going to happen. But do you, you could see if this goes on for even a couple of weeks, nobody in the world, it's not just America, nobody has the attention span or the 
fortitude to carry things through anymore. And I could see this turning on Israel pretty quick. Yeah, so a couple of things Israel okay. does know. They have to act quickly yeah. because of that very reason. Um, you know, they're going to go in. There's going to be civilian casualties, mm-hmm. just like there were in World War II. You know, when we bombed Germany, Germany bombed England. We bombed Hiroshima. Civilian casualties are part of what happens when the civilians elect governments that are just vile and wicked. Germany democratically elected Hitler. Yeah, yeah. leveled. Uh, big areas leveled. The obviously. Gazans democratically elected Hamas. Hamas and support them. Mm-hmm. It's just when you do that as civilians, you pay the price. You can't be this fighters versus civilians when the civilians are supporting the fighters with arms, food, shelter, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. So the big concern in Israel, so Gaza is the hottest of the hot spots. After that, you have the West Bank. So one of the fears in Israel is that the West Bank will start getting riled up. And after that, East Jerusalem will start getting riled up, which is part of Israel. And Hezbollah up in Lebanon getting riled up. And then finally, the biggest concern the Israelis have about this war, besides the hostages, is the Muslims within Israel, who constitute a million plus, getting riled up. Most of them, peace-loving, so to speak. But the person who's on the edge already. That's within Israel. Within not, Israel. We're not talking uh, West Bank, Gaza, anything like that. We're um, talking. How, how many Israelis are there? Or how many um, Jews are there? How many Jews? You know, probably around 6 million. Okay. I haven't looked at the So, I mean, numbers. a million's a big, that's a big population. A big, you know, 20%. And that's, that's in Jerusalem. That's in Tel Aviv. That's in Jaffa. All, the areas. all, okay. The areas. Okay. all okay. over Israel. Okay. Yeah. So, the problem, and that's the challenge I see is, as images start coming out, and they always do, mm-hmm. and they always will, uh, there's going to be um, unintended consequences or casualties, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yep. And then all of a sudden you have something that could escalate uh, yeah. in, in other population centers. So I'll give you an example. When I'll, I was in Jerusalem, first of all, it's illegal to fly the Hamas flag in Israel. Okay. It's just as, you know, you couldn't, well, I don't know if you could, you probably could in America fly some terrorist group. Um, flag here and get away with it. But there it's illegal, right? Yeah, you could. (laughs) So I'm in Jerusalem and my uh, buddy points out to me, he's like, hey, there's a Hamas flag right over there flying out of that person's window. In Jerusalem, someone's apartment or whatever. Someone's apartment or whatever. Okay. And so that person is already on the edge. And if this war incites them, then they become a terrorist within Israel proper. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a real threat. How do you stop that? You can't fence it. You can't border wall it. How, how do you catch it? Yeah, it's in the middle of your city. It's in right. the middle of your town. Right. Okay. And so that's a big fear as well. Well, do you worry about that in other places as well, including America? Do you worry about because we don't even know with these irresponsible nitwits that we have in office here, mm-hmm. we don't know who's coming through the border. When you've got, what was it, Texas, 250,000 last month, whatever that number yep. was, millions a year flooding over the border unchecked and then being dispersed. Throughout the country on our dime. Yep. And you don't know who you, you don't know who's come through here and then they're waiting for You something. don't and most most people coming here are looking for work, right? Sure, most. but it doesn't take many. But <laughs> fact there are terrorists coming across yeah. the border and yeah. they're not necessarily from South America. They're coming from the Middle East. Terrorists can easily infiltrate across the border. You mix into society. And then you're a sleeper. Well, I've found it amazing how many people are coming up from areas of Africa and other areas that they're coming all the way from South America. Yeah, get over there. Uh, Yeah, because we we traditionally have had the kind of stereotype of the Mexicans are coming across the border. 
No, that's, that's not the problem. Not the case. I mean, there are, but it's people from all over the world that are coming through the Mexican border. Yeah, the the concern in America is the other people. People that are coming from Mexico are mostly yeah. looking for work. Some are drug dealers. That's really bad. But as far as terrorists, it's not. We're not worried about Mexican terrorists or Guatemalan yeah. terrorists. <laughs> that's not yeah. the issue for terrorism. I mean, of course, we have the MS thirteen people and things like that. But that's gang. That's but drug. Yeah, they're they're trying to run some kind of jacked up operation right um you know but we're talking straight up people who want to just blow stuff up so where and, is and, and, and cause terrorist attacks yeah getting back to israel where is this all going yeah where's yeah. where's it gonna end so if we look historically at every time israel's been attacked the jews been attacked it's tragic but then somehow god always works it out for good you know you look at the holocaust horrible mm-hmm. but after the holocaust is over all of a sudden the nation of israel is reborn after two thousand years and the language of Hebrew revives mm. from being basically a dead language to now a spoken language again, mm. 2,000 years later. Uh, if we look at the Yom Kippur War, you know, Jews brutally attacked on their most sacred holiday. What happens? They gain more land, more control. They come to more power. And I pointed out, look back at Columbus, 1492. Oh, no, we didn't get into that. Yesterday was Columbus Day. Yesterday was Columbus Day, 1492. The other big thing that happened in 1492 was the Jews were expelled from Spain. So literally, as Columbus is heading out of port on his ships the same day, there's Jews jumping on ships to go to Turkey because they've been expelled from Spain. From Cadiz there, I would imagine, or wherever that port port is in Spain. Yeah, I can't remember all the names. So literally, August 2nd, Columbus was going to sail. It ended up being August 3rd. Okay. And um, part of the reason was the day before was Jews were coming down to their final day of getting out of Spain or they either had to be forced converted to Christianity or leave. Yeah. And uh, so the speculation was a lot of them just jumped on the boat with Christopher Columbus. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're like, they have to be out of Spain. Where are you going to go? Yeah. It's like they're fleeing whatever to, ship, whatever direction that's going. And nobody imagined if that did happen. Yeah. Where are we going? Where are we going? <laughs> well, if you, here's an interesting geographic fact, the length of the Mediterranean. Yeah. From Spain or Portugal to Israel okay. is the same distance as Portugal to the New World. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. It's, so I have you can to look s- at a globe because yeah. you, you think it's much, much further. It's the same. And so if you can sail from Spain to Egypt yeah. or Spain you just, to Israel, you can go the other way. Just one route fast. you know, one route you didn't know. Right. And that was the thing with Columbus. And yep. that's a whole other conversation. Of course, we want to get rid of Columbus, Columbus Day. That's, you, I'm, know, you know, if we want to change Columbus Day, I'm fine with that. But also, I want you to give up hospitals. Automobiles, air travel, grocery <laughs> stores, railroads, and every other benefit, including your cell phone, because if yeah, you, what would the world look like? What would the world for? And there were issues with Columbus. I'm the first to admit that. Sure, but what would the world look like uh, nowadays had Columbus not sailed? Eventually, it would have come over, but a- a- how different would history have been? All right, finish up some thoughts here with Mark out here in just a second. Yeah, it'd be. That's it. We're going to have to do like extra podcasts or something, Mark. Um, let's see. Blind Brothers. I lost, I lost track. Just close the blinds. And just close the, the blinds. Yeah. <laughs> they did. Well, you could do that with the Blind Brothers because they did a great job for my family. Um, I know they'll do a good job for you as well. Uh, you mentioned a show, by the way. Mention the Jeff Orbit show. You get half off installation. Have them do that installation. They do a great job. 928-634-2423. The Blind Brothers at 928-634-2423. Go to theblindbrothers.com right now. If you need to get your smartphone fixed... 
Cracked screen, charging port, batteries running slow, which seems to happen after about a year now. Uh, Just Wireless can fix all of that for you and keep your old phone going. Uh, Stop on by Just Wireless there right on Milton Avenue as I-17 comes in the Flagstaff. Uh, Also, a great line of refurbished phones, which is great for the environment so that we're not digging up resources in the middle of Africa. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, Congo. This is real environmental stuff you can do, keeping these phones going. So stop on by uh, Just Wireless. They'll be able to help you out, save you a lot of money, and with the instability in the world, I don't know. Spending two thousand on a smartphone right now, maybe not the best choice. Stop on by Just Wireless, JustWirelessAZ.com as well. listening to the podcast please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there if you're not listening to the podcast subscribe look up the jeff forward show also on video rumble follow us there and on youtube subscribe we appreciate everyone who's done that this is the jeff orvid show things up here with Mark Howitt. Um, but real quick, Governor Hobbs yesterday did do the normal line that we do need to get rid of Columbus Day, the second Monday of every October, and do Indigenous Peoples Day instead. And I just, just a quick thought on that because it's already passed us, but it's more divisiveness that is unnecessary. You know, they, they pit people against each other, and you've disagreed with me on this before, but Columbus Day is when Columbus Day is. It's been like that for a long time. I don't mind having an Indigenous Peoples Day. I really, I really don't. Um, although I don't think we need any more paid holidays for government workers. But if you want to recognize that, I'm fine with that. But, but don't make it on the same day as Columbus Day. Don't create and sow that div- divisiveness that we already have too much of. It's unnecessary. It's, it's stupid, Hobbs. And just try to work with, you know, there's people that do want to celebrate Columbus Day. And there's things to celebrate there. There's people that want to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. And there's, pe- there's st- stuff to celebrate there. Stop with the divisiveness. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's actually racist. And so when, once you're saying special day for this race of people, then you're excluding all the other races. It's just racism. You, so you don't have anything. You, no, you no. don't want Columbus Day or Indigenous? No, and Columbus Day is, still, is celebrating somebody who did something great, okay. despite all his faults. But if I start saying, let's have Indigenous People Day and Black History Month and celebrate your Whiteness Day, yeah. Uh, that's all racism. Yeah, and it and it, it becomes very divisive. Yeah. Um, I don't mind celebrating all this stuff, though, and saying, oh, yeah, of course, there's great accomplishments all around. But I think when these stupid politicians get in the middle of it and then they deliberately do it when there's been something else at that point, yep. um, it, it's too much and it's unnecessary. We got real problems in the world. We don't need ding-dong politicians like this to come up with stupid stuff that really, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't mean a hill of beans. No, and you I, know? I, I mean, would say I'm on. all for celebrating people on certain days. MLK Day, I love it. Yeah. He did a great thing in America. Yeah. Yeah. Columbus did a great thing. Thomas Jefferson, yeah. George Washington. But to celebrate races of people yeah. as whole groups, no. Oh, and you see it everywhere now. It's, it's this day, it's this month. I, yeah. I, I said a while ago, I'm tired of the day, the month, the, yep. the, all that. 
my point being, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. If she really wanted to compromise, she could make it work, but they don't. They don't no. want to compromise. They want to sow divisiveness. We only got a few more minutes, uh, and then I'm going to have you back later in the week because we've got voter issues in Flagstaff to talk about. We, we got like this whole other two-hour show that we're going to have to do. You got two minutes. Wrap this up. Um, what do you see coming? Okay, so in Israel, when I first heard about the attacks, uh, I was both crying and angry all at the same time. And the emotional level just goes super skyrocketing. Uh, Right now, I have a lot of peace that in the long run, this is going to work out well for Israel, um, as every tragedy for them has ever worked out well in the long run. Okay, Um, In the immediate time, it's a disaster. Uh, I see a couple things. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Russian involvement in this, Mm. uh, as far as... Promoting the attack. That's scary because that's a whole nother yep. issue in World War Three talk. Uh, the countries that are able to negotiate the terrorist, uh, with the terrorists to get the hostages set free are countries like Iran, Qatar, possibly the Egypt a little bit. I see the U.S. giving billions to these countries. To facilitate to the facilitate negotiations. To facilitate the negotiations, just like... Whether it's all going to be indirect, probably like the Iran Contra scandal back when, or the more recent uh, giving six billion dollars to Iran to free hostages, I this is where the U.S. involvement is going to be bad. And this is where down the road we'll, we'll pay for it because we'll every time we do this, the unintended consequences or intended consequences happen. If you reward these aren't our friends, you can't pay. You can't buy them off. No, they take the money and laugh. I mean, just do the math. We gave for three hostages six billion dollars. That's two billion each. What yeah. do we have to give for one hundred and fifty hostages? Yeah, yeah. What what has and what will we learn that we gave? Are we talking three hundred billion years later? And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't see this as good. What we may do to negotiate? Because you always you always heard the saying, we don't we don't negotiate with uh, terrorists. But we, we seem to do it all the time, yeah. and they always come back. And this is going back decades and decades and decades. It always comes out back to bite us, bite us in the rear, time and time again. Yep. So, all right, Mark. I, I man, it's just it's just hard to watch. And um, I appreciate all your insight, though. And um, we'll we'll have you back soon. Thanks I think for having me on this Jeff. week. Absolutely. Uh, comments always appreciate those. Get those in. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. If you can do me a favor and. Subscribe if you're listening to the podcast. Um, We put videos up as well. Um, So I appreciate everyone doing that on YouTube and on Rumble as well. Still got a busy week ahead of us, so hope you join us tomorrow back here once again. Take care. Have a good night.